It's tough to imagine the holiday season without this tradition. Nutcracker is back for another Christmas run with the Royal Winnipeg Ballet, and we were joined by Julian Pelicano from WSO and RWB to ask him about being a conductor for the ballet and how did Bradley Cooper do as a conductor in the movie Maestro? Clay Young joined us from my old stomping grounds, Transcona, as he's been doing a series on supporting local, and he visited the retailers and restaurants of downtown Transcona. And our serious question for you today was, have you ever had a last-minute shopping nightmare? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's in for Hal this week on Connecting Winnipeg. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, December 21st, first day of winter podcast for The Start. Liam McGarry, McNabb's on Connecting Winnipeg for the rest of the week. And in a moment, we're going to learn that Greg got to put on quite a special and historic ring yesterday. But mm-hmm. this morning, <laughs> your day began with a different kind of ring <laughs> involving yes. three of them. Yep. That you describe as a walk of shame? The ultimate walk of shame. I left the house this morning without my key pass to get into the building. And normally I know exactly where it is. I'll be halfway here and I'll go, oh, got the key pass. And it's hanging on my dresser. I usually hang it up right on the, on the drawer handle of my tall dresser so that it's part of my routine in the morning. Wasn't there this morning. In fact, I looked all over the house. I looked, I changed clothes a couple of times yesterday. I was, I was in one of my finer get-ups yesterday <laughs> for, for yesterday's event, the Manitoba Hockey Hall of Fame Legends Luncheon. I can't find it. And now I think I may have lost it. I think I may have left it at the hotel <laughs> at the Canadiens Polo Park yesterday because I'm certain I didn't go up on stage with it. So, yes, I did the walk of shame three floors down the parkade. I had reached out to Clay Young to meet me in the parkade. But, of course, Clay makes up his own rules in life and thought uh, just meeting me at the back door would be fine. Well, because he said you texted him. He should have just texted me. I know I should have. But you texted Clay, and he I just didn't know if I would, he, would make it here before you. So He said that you'd, he's like, sure, I'll come get you. Yeah, it was pretty specific. And you're, you're, so you're, on the, on the, you're up on the whatever floor in the parkade. Yeah. And then you see him standing outside? Yeah, at street level, at the back door, <laughs> waiting for me, calling for me. I said, this is, this is exactly what I said. Hey, Clay. Good morning. I forgot my key card. I'm on my way. Can I call or text you when I'm close? Will you come meet me on the third floor of the parkade? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and then he said? Uh, uh, His actions said I'm not doing that. So anyway, I did the walk of shame. And uh, I got in the building, and uh, my day was off to not only kind of a lousy start, but then it, right away it turns around because I got to ride the elevator 30 floors with Clay and kibitz with him and have fun with him. So by the time I got here, I was not any longer in a 
less than perfect mood. And then you got to remember that you had a pretty cool day yesterday for the Hockey Heritage Day. Boy, oh boy. Shout out to Jordy Douglas for inviting me to be a part of this. You know, hockey's been a big deal in my life for a long time, Brett, since I was a little kid. I cried my eyes out the first time my dad put me out on the ice at Crestview Community Center. Sort of remember that going inside, just standing on the blue line. And my dad had to come out and get me on the ice and sort of walk me in. And uh, a few full circle moments for me yesterday, including the mayor of Brandon, Jeff Fawcett, popped in. He was in Winnipeg for a meeting with our mayor. Well, I grew up with Jeff, Jeff and his brother. So my brother played hockey with Jeff and I played hockey with, with, with Jeff's brother, older brother. And uh, Jeff Fawcett's mom and dad used to quite often drive me. Like when you play hockey in in southwestern Manitoba. You're not just playing games in Brandon. You play all over southwest Manitoba. My dad had two boys playing hockey at the same time in Brandon. He couldn't always couldn't always go. So the faucets would drive me quite often, and Jeff's mom and dad happened to be at the banquet yesterday, and I hadn't seen them since I was 11, 12 years old. Yeah, and I go, yeah. yeah, so I got to thank them for, you know, that I, I remember the first time I ever saw cru- cruise control was in Mr. Fawcett's car. <laughs> on the way to Cirrus one time. But I got to meet Paul Meager's son, Gary, from Barrie, Ontario. And Gary wears his dad's 1953 Montreal Canadian Stanley Cup ring. Oh, boy. And I got to put it on my finger. And it was quite a special experience. I've held Stanley Cup rings before. I've seen them, but never before have I put one on my finger. And the story behind it is amazing. And Paul Meager was uh, 25 when he retired. He took a, a, a skate blade to the side of his head in the middle of a game and had to retire. But that was after he'd won the Stanley Cup in 1953. And in 1955, the Rocket Riots, Rocket Richard was suspended for the, the last games of the Stanley Cup. Montreal erupted. Long story short, Fans were given the opportunity to get their money back if they wanted, but they had an option. They could get the money back themselves or they could donate it to the Paul Meager Fund to support Paul Meager and his family because he was forced into retirement. That fund raised at, at the, in 1955, Brett, $24,000, and it allowed the Montreal Canadiens to gift that to the Meager family so they could buy a home. They never had a cool. mortgage. And that's the house Gary Meager grew up in with his siblings. And he came all the way from Barrie to, to celebrate yesterday. Pauline Rost, her, her dad played, he was from Winnipeg, but played in, in England for years. At times, he made more money than the soccer play, some of the soccer players, some of the top soccer players in England. And he's such a handsome guy, <laughs> so popular. His image was part of a Gillette razor blade advertisements and apparently his image was all over Piccadilly Circus for years. <laughs> he was one of the most popular fans. So just some fascinating Manitoba hockey stories. And uh, it was uh, just an honor to be a part of that and inducting uh, two teams from Brandon and uh, three individuals with the impact on, uh, on the game of hockey, the game that we love so much. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg for the rest of the week. In our next segment, we're going to tell you how you can win yourself some tickets to AEW All Elite 
Wrestling coming back to Winnipeg, Canada Life Centre, April 10th. I actually saw Chris Jericho's dad yesterday. Oh, yeah, Ted Irvin? The West End, Isaac Brock legend himself, Ted Irvin. At the Hockey Heritage Day. He's a big man. He's a big man. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Still an imposing figure as well. And shook my hand. He's, you know, those big, those big working man paws, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Ted. Take it easy on me, brother. (laughs) My gosh. That's cool. And then at uh, 7.35 for our small town salute, this is from the In Case You Missed It file because there was a fascinating discussion last week. Uh, KK was in for Toth, I believe. Yes, uh, sounds about right. Talking about maple syrup hitting production, hitting a five-year low in this country. That's right. So KK uh, found a local producer, and when we say local, uh, in southern Manitoba, out near McCreary, and for those of you that ever downhill skied and went to Mount Agassiz, that's how you got to Mount Agassiz in the eastern part of Riding Mountain National Park. You had to go through Nipawa, up Highway 5, and then through McCreary, and then into the park to Agassiz. Well, we're going to visit, we're going to replay, we're going to revisit a conversation that KK did have about how maple syrup is made, the process, and uh, this whole idea that that production has changed dramatically over the last several years. But right now we've got a really cool story about something found in an old dress in the northeastern U.S., that pointed to a mystery dating back more than a century. And guess what? As Global's Marnie Blunt reports, Manitoba is connected to this mystery. I was checking it out because the skirt is this beautiful bustle-era drapey skirt. Finding treasures from days gone by is Sarah River Cofield's area of expertise. An archaeologist by day, an antique collector by night. It's something she's had a passion for her entire life. That's just what we like to do. We like the thrill of the hunt. Go out and find a bargain. When she bought this Victorian-era bustle dress from an antique store in Maine about a decade ago, she found a hidden pocket on the dress with something inside, marking the start of solving a bit of a mystery. And it turned out that the whatever was balled up in there was uh, paper. I start trying to unball it. I realize as I'm going that there's actually two sheets there. My mom, who was with me, we were doing this together. You know, we're all like, oh man, it's like secret writing from the 19th century. But that writing had them puzzled. First line was like, Bismarck omit Buck Bank. You know, it made no sense whatsoever. Like, there were actual words, you could read it. It's just, it didn't mean anything. And so we just looking at each other like, well, what is this? I have no idea. Stumped by the code and what it meant, she put it up on her blog to see if someone could figure it out this great bustle dress here's all the features of it and it's got this pocket that's so hard to access it's almost like it was a secret um and you know like for storing your secret code which i wouldn't normally mention except that there was a secret code in the pocket enter university of manitoba research computer analyst wayne chan who came across the story about the code in the dress in 2018 the unusualness of it, uh, the fact that it was found in a, in a Victorian-era dress, um, which I don't think I've ever seen before. After attempting to crack it that year, Chen gave up and decided to revisit it at the end of last year. By Boxing Day of 2022, I was ready to give up again. So 
Uh, after I looked through literally about 170 different telegraphic code books. But it paid off. At the start of this year, Chen was able to crack the code. The code turned out to be the weather code used by the U.S. Uh, Signal Corps. Or, uh, back then it was called the, uh, the Signal Service. Uh, so they were the official um, National Weather Service for the United States uh, for about 20 years in the late uh, 1800s. And perhaps somewhat serendipitously, one code happened to originate from the University of Manitoba, a weather observation code taken at the U of M St. John's College on May 27, 1888. I was amazed because, you know, the, 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 the dress was found in, in Maine by a woman from Maryland. And I didn't expect to have to see any Canadian relationship, you know, at all. A code slowly coming full circle, and a dress that continues to tell stories of our past more than a century later. Marnie Blunt, Global News. You can read more at globalnews.ca/winnipeg. But what a neat story! Another 3M in there. Maryland, Maine, Manitoba. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's funny the things that jump out for you. But these these stories are are fascinating. And the, we, we've been talking a little bit in the last couple of weeks about the handwritten note and the treasures that are handwritten notes. And this is just another example of uh, how critical pen and paper have been in our history. And uh, passing these physical notes... I have have been a big part of of making sure that that things uh, are are moved securely over the years. And the fact that they were able to finally decode this is pretty. I, I admire the persistence because for someone who's an analyst like that, who like that's kind of what they do to not be able to crack the code and to give up and then almost give up again. Uh, that's got to be frustrating. And it would drive me insane. Like there's a, I have a, in my big winter parka, <laughs> uh, last year or the year before I, I put my hand in one of the pockets and I found a key on a ring. I have no idea what it's for. <laughs> <laughs> Not a clue. So that's a code I will never crack. Yeah. I laughed before because you told me the story off air. So uh, I knew where you were going to go with that. How many keys? How many keys do we have in our homes? I must have two dozen keys yeah. in various drawers and compartments. And what is it about not throwing away a key? Yeah. Right? Like there's something almost prohibited. <laughs> like I've never thrown away a key. Have you ever thrown away a key in the garbage? Even even a key? You have no idea what it's for. Mm. I got to keep it just in case. Well, why? Just in case I happen to open up a secret compartment in my wall (laughs) and there's a vault in there. Not my vault, but but I might as well try this key. That's what it's for. (laughs) It is Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg this week. And right now we want to talk about last-minute shopping. Well, yes, for sure. Who doesn't do late-minute shopping? That is uh, somebody in a global news streeters package, as we call it, when we hit the street and get, grab some tape from people, and I get, they did a package on last-minute shopping. But specifically right now we want to talk about last-minute shopping nightmares. 
whether it's Christmas or not, like not, of course, not everybody celebrates Christmas. Maybe it was a last minute birthday gift or whatever, and you had a problem and left it till the last minute and it gave you a nightmare. Maybe you got stuck in traffic. Maybe you got in a fight with somebody at a store trying to get the last tickle me Elmo or whatever it was. Uh, Or if you want to go the other direction, did you have a last minute shopping success? 204-780-6868. Tell us a story. Let's gather around the fire and tell us a story for a chance to win AEW tickets, all elite wrestling. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. And, uh, well, Greg, why don't you start us off? Because, like, you and I turned out to have almost the same tale. Which is kind of goofy, right? Because uh, we're going back well over 20 years now. And it was Christmas Eve. It was either the 24th. I'm sure it was the 24th of December. I was out with one of my best friends. And we were at Polo Park. And uh, she found something that she really liked, but they didn't have a full set of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it Stokes? Is that a store uh, where they sell housewares? Yeah. Yeah. And so she said, I really like this. Um, do you have any in the back? No. Well, let me check our KP store. Sure enough, they have it at Kildonan Place. Well, Kildonan Place at that time was this, that end of the city did nothing, that had nothing to do with my life at all. That was like a day trip, right? Let's get lunch and, you know, <laughs> it's a road trip. Let's go to... KP. So we go to KP and she says, I'm just going to run in. But there was no parking. There was no parking to be found. I said, well, you jump out. I'll just drive around. I'll come back and pick you up. Well, it was 30 to 40 minutes to get around the building (laughs) from one door back to that same door counterclockwise and or clockwise. I don't remember. All I know is that uh, said friend was absolutely furious that I'd taken so long and <laughs> oh figured I'd taken her Jeep for some sort of, uh, you know, wild ride or something like that. And I said, no, it's just in the parking lot. This is how long it took me to get around. Yeah. So, yeah. But she got her stuff, so that was good. Uh, at least she <laughs> had success, the shopping success, and I appreciate her persistence on being wanting to hike across from one side of the city to the other to, to get the gift. But for me, it was killed on in place, I don't know how many years ago, 10 years, 15, whatever, it doesn't matter. And I think it was, it was a Saturday for sure, and I believe it was December 23rd. And so, like, it was, it was chaos. So I was, just happened to be on Regent, and I was heading westbound. My... Christmas shopping was done. Like I was done, finished, didn't need anything else. But as I was approaching the mall, I thought, eh, I'll just pop in and see if I can grab some stocking stuffers. What the, what the heck? And uh, so I turned right on Rougeau, so that street that goes between the mall and Canadian Tire. And um, I couldn't even get in. Like, never mind, find a parking spot. I couldn't even cut through wow. the, the, the oncoming traffic to get in. So it took me... To get up Rougeau to re like and then where it looped around to eventually connect to Stape on. It took me forty-five minutes. Grid walk. So, <laughs> so I like halfway through I abandoned ship the, the, to even try to get into the parking lot to then get into the mall. Uh, I just wanted to get out and stand out. I, I, I can't believe it. It was awful. Poitras, what about you? Well, I've had similar experience, you know, at, at, at Polo Park, St. Vital when I was in Calgary. Um, so I, I came to an agreement in, in, with my close family that we're just not going to get anybody anything because we're just tired <laughs> of dealing with this stuff. Yeah. So it's but not... Chinook Mall can be not a fun place. No, it's awful. And so I would just... We don't... We, like, my brother gave me a, a Calvin and Hobbes comic 
this Christmas already. I, I saw him. We had our family thing last weekend, and it's like so. If I see something, I'm like, oh, I'll get that for my brothers. And if it's like it's just something that I, I wander by, and it's something that I see while on my travels, I'll stop and grab it. And there's no anticipation or want or want or need to then reciprocate that gift giving. This maybe one year I'll get them something, and then they this year they'll get me something. And that's just how how we roll. So we don't do this this whole rigmarole because it's 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 not worth it. It on like to me at least. I know there's people um, that it, but for me, oh, it's just not it's not worth the it's not worth the hassle and the stress, the pressure of having to go into these high stress situations where people are running around and you got your big coat on and it's claustrophobic <laughs> and you're stuck in gridlock at a mall and it's it's it the pre- am I getting the right thing are they going to like it it's cam i can cam, cam you've you've unlocked the key to zen don't get all worked up you've <laughs> well, because you've you can see, it out. i know you just exit the gift loop there there it is exit <laughs> the gift loop say it with me exit, exit. The, the gift, gift loop. loop. <laughs> Exit the gift loop. Oh. Uh, that's great. Sarah McCarthy, what about you? So, yeah, me and um, my friend who lives here, we've been best friends since, like, high school, and every year we do a gift exchange. So I should know that, like, just automatically, like, it's kind of without saying that we just get a, each other a gift. And uh, last week she goes to me, oh, I can drop off your gift on Wednesday. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I thought I was done. I forgot. And Uh-oh. so I go out on, uh, I think it was Friday. She said it to me on Thursday. And uh, I was just after a Yeti. It was one of my favorite things. She doesn't have one. So I was like, that's a nice little gift. Some tea, coffee, whatnot. Put it in there. Uh, so I go to like Atmosphere by Polo Park. Now they're closing. They have sent all their stock over to Sport Check, they tell me. So I run over to Sport Check in Polo Park. They have like nothing left either, of course. It's like the final week before Christmas. So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to order this online and just hope it gets in. It came in yesterday afternoon. Oh. Right before right before we exchanged. So wow. I was like, Poof, thank God. No <laughs> so kidding. it worked out. <laughs> yeah, I just learned yesterday I, 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 because I've ordered some stuff online mm-hmm. wondering where is this stuff? Because yes. <laughs> I ordered it a month ago and mm. I finally checked and one of the gifts for my dad is li- listed as delivery between December 28th and January 16th. Oh, wow. Well, what a, a you know, hey, of... You extend the Christmas. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Uh, mm. Lux Barbecue on State also, Bond, by the way. That's your Good Yeti place. headquarters. Okay, just so you know, know for, for future, future reference. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and Forte. Okay, well, for me, it's having to find something to buy for somebody who has everything, and you don't know what to buy, and you spend hours. You go to the mall, like, to get from your place, you go to the mall, you deal with the traffic, you deal with the crowds, deal with everything, and you're searching the mall, and you're going from store to store. You don't know what to buy, and after two hours, you leave empty-handed. Oh. Mm. So that's uh, my problem, so I'm, I'm going back out tomorrow. Did you do this yesterday? Oh, no, this is like two weeks ago. Okay. But uh, I'm going back out tomorrow because, uh, you know, it's the, the last minute shopping, so I got to get it done. Who's the person? I can't, I can't say. <laughs> I, I can't say. They'll be mad. <laughs> well, Loren was talking yesterday about the survey that, that pointed to the, the, the hardest person to, to shop for. And she was asking people to text for a chance to win some pizza. Right. And she only got one correct guess. And I knew immediately. As soon as she said the question, I shouted, Mom! Yeah. 
And it's, yeah, according to this research, the, who people are looking up, who's the hardest person to buy for, it's, it's mom. Yeah. My dad was always super easy. My mom, difficult. I'm super easy to buy for. I don't want to say I shouldn't finish my thought. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yours, it's, it's yours implied. is a piece of cake. It's implied. <laughs> It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg this week, and we're getting some pushback on the the mom thing, on moms being the hardest to shop for. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we, Loren yesterday, uh, for when she was doing, she did a trivia question for the Santa Lucia pizza giveaway, and she, she found this, like it was a survey, or it was an analysis of internet search data to determine who's the hardest person to shop for and according to this search data the determination was that mom is the hardest person to shop for if we're choosing between mom and dad anybody oh anybody period yeah, the hardest person in your life to shop for okay so lisa says as a mom we are super easy to shop for pedicures massage facial we love gift certificates for our favorite clothing store or buy a nice hoodie in our favorite color. Tickets to whatever we are into. Theater, movies, blue bombers. Need any more help? <laughs> the problem with my mom uh, was all, it was always, um, oh, just get me something that you know I'd like. And that took me a long time to figure out. In other words, read my mind. <laughs> but I, so it used to first. So I would try, and uh, and but she. She did, did always have like lots of hobbies and eventually she got into crafting and stuff. But it, it was, I, I, I think at the very least, what she was teaching me was to like try to buy thoughtful gifts. Don't just buy whatever they ask for, which I mean, I, hey, I would put up a Christmas list and there are some years where I got everything on the list and I, and I love that and appreciate that. But uh, uh, learning how to buy a thoughtful gift, I think is important too. If you can surprise somebody, with a gift that they didn't ask for, that's cool. That's fun. That advice, that life lesson has paid off because you've been, you know, you and I have been exchanging gifts for years now. And you you buy the best gifts. So <laughs> That's not true. It is. You do. You buy the best gifts. They're so thoughtful. They're, uh, you know, they they are unexpected. And, and I love, I love exchanging gifts with you. But I can tell you this from experience. My mom... I think the best gift I ever got her was when I bought her a pair of Nike running shoes. Oh, yeah? I don't know if my mom ever spent more than 10 or $20 on shoes in her life. And it would have been probably her second or third last Christmas. And I bought her these pair of Nikes and she called them. What did she call them? Her, her, uh, oh, her, her princess shoes. Oh. Cause she said she <laughs> felt like a princess cause her feet never hurt when she wore them. Remember, she phoned me one day. She was doing some work in the kitchen at home. She said, I'm just wearing my princess shoes, thinking about you. <laughs> Thought I'd give you a call. Thanks so much for these. They were so thoughtful. And just genuinely delighted and thrilled that she finally had her own pair of Nike running shoes. That's and great. in retrospect, I waited way too long to bestow those upon her because she should have had them much earlier. But yeah. So who would have thought running shoes for your mom would be, you know, if I could connect with her now. So in 51 years, 47 of those, I probably had some hand in getting you a gift for Christmas or for your birthday or Valentine's Day or 
would that have been the best gift? And I'm I'm feeling confident that yes, that would be that yeah, was the one a resounding yes. What color were they? They were white. Yeah. yeah, nothing special. Well, they were special, but yeah, just white. So tell us about your last minute shopping nightmares or last minute shopping successes for a chance to win AEW tickets. We'll pick a winner at nine fifteen. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. The question we're asking you this morning at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win AEW tickets is what's a last-minute shopping nightmare that you have experienced, whether it's a long lineup or a long lineup in the car, just trying to get in somewhere so that you can try to shop and face the... The angry hordes of people. But uh, as always, we end up having little side shoot conversations, and we were talking about buying gifts for your mom. And Ian says, when I was in grade nine, I joined the school basketball team. My mother related the story that when she served in World War II, she joined the women's basketball team. She absolutely hated basketball, but if you were a team member, you got extra passes off the base. Interesting. I frequently went to the local library for books to read. One day they had a table of books for sale. I saw one titled, How to Play Basketball for Girls. And I splurged 25 cents for it. It was 1963. That was a lot of money to a 13-year-old. I waited months and wrapped it up for and put it under the Christmas tree. I anxiously waited while she opened it. She threw it at me! (laughs) Worth the wait. (laughs) Did not see that coming. (laughs) <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> I thought it was going to be this like thoughtful, sort of full circle kind of thing. I hope Ian saw it coming. Otherwise, <laughs> he's got a scar to match to go with this story. My goodness. Well, that, if he says worth the wait, I think he he probably knew what was up. Yeah, yeah. He knew his mom better than us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we also had one from Kristen with an interesting tale. Involving her tailed friend who says my holiday hell wasn't even related to a gift. My late dog required a medication to live. I was going away after Christmas and called my vet to get the prescription called into the pharmacy. I waited three to five days and then I braved the holiday traffic to go pick it up. I got there. The pharmacy did not have the refill request. I phoned the clinic and was told that since the doctor on duty at the time of my call wasn't the one who had seen my dog, they declined to refill it. So had they told me that, I would have happily brought my dog in or called back when the doctor she saw was working. Instead, I was trapped in a Costco lot for two hours for nothing. Once I escaped, I got my pup set up with another vet and transferred her entire file away from that clinic. Zero regrets, only rage. Wow. That sucks. Yeah, no kidding. Um, Costco is somewhere I probably, I I never want to go near a Costco, never mind during the holidays. No. Um, I understand. And I don't, I don't, great gifts. I personally don't need a membership for a place like Costco. I understand the value for if you've got a family. As long as you know your pricing and you have a place to keep it Mm -hmm. and you're going to use most of it, if half of it's going in the garbage, any money you're saving, you're throwing away. Mm hmm. Uh, and, uh, I'm not allowed to go to Costco by myself. No, no, <laughs> no, no. 
What kind of things do you buy? Anything and everything. That power wall, like when you walk in on the left, oh, of course we need two tea towels. Yeah, batteries, oh, we only have 100 AA batteries. Better get more because we're going to run out anytime. Oh, yeah. That store is designed as though they tapped into my inner brain and said, okay, how do we get Greg to spend as much money as possible? And that's like the blueprint and the floor plan for Costco's <laughs> everywhere. And it just goes to show uh, my father and I went, went and I went once together and we like are we are totally banned from ever doing that again. I think the total bill is about $1,900. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> two, two extension ladders later. <laughs> One for each of us. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> it is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. Today, in for Hal Anderson, today and tomorrow, and yesterday as well, um, at 8.35. It's our weekly, monthly visit, pardon me, with Animal Services. Leland Gordon, the uh, boss over at Animal Services, brings in a dog for us to visit with. And they've got a wish list for the season with some pretty cool gift items. And then at 9.05, we're going to tell you about something called Wicked Winnipeg. We got a note yesterday about a tour that's coming up next month. So I know a lot of us are focused on just getting through the next few days and enjoy the holiday season. But this just, I was so curious about it because it's going to look back at a period of history between 1800 and 1900 and point to some wicked things in Winnipeg, including the the Belgian club in St. Boniface. Apparently, according to this tour director, says it was considered the epitome of wicked Winnipeg nightlife. Well, oh, okay. Yes, this is ringing a bell for me, so I'm looking forward to this as well. Yeah, this is, yeah, uh, legend and lore. So I'm looking forward to this. And you you make a good point because Christmas has snuck up on a bunch of us. Yep. And next year, we're going to be in the midst of, it's going to be the second week of January. Oh, I can't believe I missed that, or I forgot about it. So (laughs) we're setting you up for success for 2024. In the meantime, he has been spending time this morning in in my old stomping grounds. In fact, I was just there yesterday getting my hair cut with Joe at uh, Tony's Barbershop on Regent Avenue and Greg in downtown Transcona. That's right. Clay Young, he is a roving reporter extraordinaire for Global News Morning. And, And Clay, this is one of a series of visits you've been making to to different parts of the city this week, last minute shopping, and uh, we want you know people to know about the local options. Yes, and uh, as Mr. McGarry says, I'm uh, in his uh, home turf. I'm in uh, Transcona. Transcona, and everywhere you look, there's pink flamingos. <laughs> They're running around wild. Uh, you know, animal services, Leland Gordon, I don't know where you are. <laughs> but Transcona is known for, for pink flamingos. And I'm with Leela Dance, who's the executive director of the uh, Transcona Business Improvement Zone. Uh, how are you? Good. How, thank you for having me on. I, You know, there's something about Transcona. I don't know what it is, but we're walking along here, and you've taken us to a bunch of different locations. We're coming down Regent Avenue, right? And I kept thinking to myself, I feel like I'm in a different city. I, it, it, it seems apart from Winnipeg. You know, I could be in Fort Gary and nothing against Fort Gary or Charleswood or uh, St. James. It seems that Transcona has its own little vibe 
that I'm not feeling when I'm in other parts of the city. Am, am I missing something or are you absorbing me? <laughs> no, it's definitely very much has a small town feeling. We were talking about that earlier, walking down the street, um, waving it at some of our storefronts and, and having people come out and say hi. It's a very small town feel here. Yeah, you're right. So, and we love it. We love that, that people come here and feel like they've, they've left the big city and that they're part of this community. So, yeah, it's great. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're feeling it. Well, I am. And, uh, you know, I haven't, during some of our live hits, my phone started binging and binging. And I'm looking at it. Sean Nathan is one of them. And Sean is the former counselor for Transcona. He says, welcome to Transcona, buddy. And I said, it's great to be here. There's a lot of really cool places to check out that if you want to. I just saw the biggest, fattest cinnamon roll I've ever seen in my life down the street. Yeah, we've got a lot of great places. Large Cafe um, has those amazing cinnamon buns, and we'll make sure that you get some before you leave today. We're going to be here at, at Monica's Attic here soon, a great little tourist store that's got a lot of great different nostalgic options. I'm looking forward to you having the chance to see. We were at Witty Peg. We've got a lot of great places that are very welcoming, and I really encourage everybody to come on down and have a look and, and explore downtown Transcona. Yeah, I would come down here. I would highly recommend it because, like I said at the start, it just hit me going... I don't feel like I'm in Winnipeg right now. And I haven't felt that in other places we've gone to this week and last. Well, I'm glad that you're able to. And it's a good thing. No, it totally is. And and like I said, it's a very welcoming small town vibe. It's one of the things that I love about this. And as someone who was born and raised in Transcona, I really love the feel of it here. And as the unofficial mayor of Transcona (laughs) now, I can just say, you know, if you're living in another area of Winnipeg and you want to get away for a weekend, you know, get out of Winnipeg. And come to Transcona. See what I'm doing here? Yeah, no, I totally I should be on your Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> Perfect. Come on down. All right. Are you guys good with that? We're good with it, Clay. Transcona, uh, did I see on one of your television hits that they've got a skating rink in downtown Transcona? Yeah, right at the Transcona Centennial Square. Oh, at 135 Region Avenue. Right on. Thanks, Leela. Good to talk to you. It's been a long Thanks. time. I hope you're well. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too. All right, Clay. Thanks, Clay. I gotta, I gotta get ready for uh, my next uh, hit on TV. Is okay, goodbye. Okay goodbye, Clay. Bye, You're free. <laughs> Bye. Adios. <laughs> Don't forget, home for the holidays. Clay Young, Christmas Day, seven a.m. till ten a.m. Sky Neller, the legendary producer, coming in to uh, resume work on the board. Try and keep Clay under, <laughs> you know, some sort of control, some semblance of a clock. I don't know if we'll be doing, you know, our normal programming with news at the top of the bottom of the hour. I suspect there's a chance, but with Clay in the host chair, things are guaranteed to go off the rails. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg and for Hal Anderson for the rest of the week. And Greg, it is time for our monthly visit with a dog, courtesy of our <laughs> friends at City of Winnipeg Animal Services. We know to put that on a T-shirt. It's our monthly visit with a dog. Leland Gorlin is the General Manager of Animal Services, Winnipeg, City of Winnipeg. And Leland, uh, Merry Christmas. Happy uh, winter solstice yes. to you, 927 p.m. today. Uh, winter officially arrives, which I think means the daylight gets longer tomorrow. And uh, I just love the name of your friend today. Who is in studio with us? I know you have Alex is yes. here, uh, your, your, uh, your constable. 
today. Yes, but ha- who's Alex handling today? Okay, so we're looking at this gorgeous dog. Her name is Blizzard, about two years old, mostly white. People can see pictures of Blizzard, of course, on our social media and on our website. Um, she's perfect on the leash, loves people, gives soft little kisses. Um, seems to like dogs, seems to like children. She's also been on some doggy dates, so she'd be a really wonderful dog for a, for, for a family. Uh, how, did, how, did, how does a beautiful dog like this end up well-behaved, well-trained, can we say, or, uh, our, or disciplined our, at least? Our staff have been working with yeah. her. Uh, how, Almost, does it, how does Blizzard end up in your yeah, care? Yeah, absolutely. Almost every dog that comes into animal services is a stray dog in Winnipeg found not wearing a pet license, not with any identification, and they're also not spayed and neutered. Almost every dog that comes in that's been running the streets is not spayed and neutered. So we encourage people, please license your dogs and cats. Please spay and neuter your dogs and cats. Um, so what we do is we we get, wait, wait a few days for an owner to come. If they don't, then we do as much as we can, as quick as we can to get a do- this dog uh, into a home because we're trying to turn over these dogs as quickly as possible because we have so many dogs coming in and it's not stopping. Our regular numbers before the pandemic were 20 a day. We're sitting today at 34 adult dogs in our facility. It's hard on our staff caring for so many dogs, but they're resilient and they do it. Hard on our volunteers. And of course, it's hard on the dogs having so many dogs in the kennel. Um, So we encourage people, as I've said before, before you get a dog, which is like adding a kid to your home, make sure you can properly take care of yourself and the added expenses of owning a dog, the veterinary care, quality food, training, all those things. Um, and if you're not ready to, to adopt a dog or you're not in that position yet, you know, go doggy date or go volunteer at an animal shelter. Now, you've brought us a wish list for animal service, both for the animals and the operations, but as well as your wellness room. Yeah, so we have a wish list, and that's on the City of Winnipeg's website. It's also on our social media channels. And our number one item is solid canned food. Um, then we have chewy dog treats and then uh, beef bully sticks. The full list, again, can be viewed online or on our social media channels. But I want to say one of the f- we have a very, very fun event coming up. Do you guys like fun? Because I like fun. Do you like fun? No. No? Okay, well. Hate it. Hate it. <laughs> so... You know, on Christmas Day in the afternoon, you're kind of, you know, you're a little bit sleepy, not much to do, and everything's closed. Well, guess what? This Christmas Day in the afternoon, animal services will be open from noon until 2 o'clock so people can come down and snuggle the dogs, play with them outside, and, of course, bring items from our wish list. Um, We're also going to have a fire truck and an ambulance from the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service there from 1245 to 115. So it's a really fun event for the community if you're bored in the afternoon Great and idea. we've we've created a Facebook event so more information is on the Facebook event on Winnipeg Animal Services uh, social media page. Okay, so we love dogs, we love cats, we love hamsters and rabbits and sometimes we look at these cute little creatures and go I just want to give this to, you know, my kids or to my to my mom or to my, you know, my betrothed. Mm-hmm. Not a good idea. No, just like just imagine you're like opening. Oh, you're opening your your Christmas presents, and it's like, hey, I guess what? I got you a dog or a puppy, right? It's not a great gift. Now, that's not to say that a family might be thinking about getting a, a dog for the holidays. So the tactful way to do this is, you know, maybe get a collar or a leash and put it in a box, you know, uh, uh, wrap it up and, um, you know, make a cute little gift certificate saying that I'll pay your adoption fee at a shelter or rescue. So let that person 
person. When you're ready. When you're ready, right? And if that's before Christmas, fine. If that's after Christmas, fine, right? So what about introducing an animal? Like, this is a busy time of year. Mm -hmm. Introducing an animal to your household where you're going to have lots of people potentially coming and going or you're coming and going. Like... This is a bad time overall, is it not? Maybe. You know, we're we're desperate right now. We're so full because I said we, our regular numbers are 20. We're sitting at 34 dogs today in our facility, which is ridiculous. There's too many dogs, right? So we're continuing our adoptions up right up right up until Christmas Eve because we're we're struggling. These dogs need to be out. And if a few get returned after the holidays, that's fine, but if most of them get kept and then are successful adoption, that's great. Um, so th- it is an opportunity for people to still adopt up to the holidays. And because it's easy to say, well, you shouldn't adopt something over the holidays. Well, then we have dogs coming in every day as stray. We have we only have so much room, right? And so we want to have positive outcomes for these dogs. And of course, if people aren't interested in adopting a dog, they can always doggy date over the holidays. You want to take a dog home for fun over the holidays? We can do that too. Leland Gordon is our guest with City of Winnipeg Animal Services. And this is actually a pretty good thought in terms of another gift idea. And that's a pet license. Yeah, so, you know, people like the things that we're doing, you know, trying to find dogs like Blizzard at home, coming down here to your awesome radio station and doing this stuff. And if you get a warm and fuzzy feeling about all the programming we're doing, the programming is funded mostly off of pet licensing. You know, we if there's a house fire tonight and there's animals involved in that house house fire and the Winnipeg Fire Preventive Service needs our help, we our animal services officers respond to those house fires to help animals. So when you license your pet, yes, you're adding protections to your pet and the rare event it gets lost, right? You're adding protections, but it's also a source of funding for all the programming that we offer. One of our friends just got their, their new puppy spayed or neutered, I don't remember which. But what jumped out for me was the cost. And one of our listeners is saying... It's expensive to get your dog spayed or neutered. How much does it cost? And are there programs that people might be eligible for to to maybe get that cost reduced? Yeah, absolutely. Like the going rate, I think right now to get a dog spayed or neutered is like four to five hundred dollars just for that surgery at a local veterinarian. That's the that's the average rate we've kind of that's done, the number done I heard. Scans. So and so when you adopt a dog from animal services like Blizzard, Blizzard's adoption fee is three hundred dollars. That includes the dog, spay and neuter, license, microchip vaccinations, heartworm tests, food, and a month of free pet health insurance. So it's a tremendous value when you adopt a dog from animal services. Now, do we have programs? Absolutely, we have programs. And when people license their pet, that funding is also being used for low-income spay-neuter programs. And so we have programs that we fund through the Winnipeg Humane Society. It's called the SNAP program for dogs and cats. We have the Fix-It program, which is for cats only. So we have a multitude of programs. If people want more information, go to the City of Winnipeg's website, go into the Animal Services section. There's a tab where it talks about spay-neuter and the programs that we're offering. And I hope people, when you license your pet, you know, that's another thing that you're helping support is helping low-income residents in our community get their pets fixed, which is a great thing. Another great gift idea, the calendar. Absolutely. We have this very cute calendar. You know, like you're running out of ideas, but you don't want to spend a lot of money. You know, maybe you have a person that you kind of like, but don't like too much. You know what? What am I going <laughs> to do? I don't want to spend $30 on a gift. Hey, of course, come to Animal Services and you can buy our our beautiful pet calendar, which has all these beautiful pictures of dogs and cats in it. It's only five whopping Canadian dollars. And uh, so if you come to Animal Services, you can buy as many as you want, and they make great gifts, great stocking stuffers. 
Well, Leland Gordon, we thank you as always for the visit. Thank you for introducing us to Blizzard. She is a very sweet girl. And thanks for having us. Leland Gordon is General Manager of Animal Services with the City of Winnipeg. And once again, more information at winnipeg.ca 311, or you can just follow Winnipeg Animal Services on social media. And I've taken some pics and video, and I'll pop that up on my Instagram as well. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. We'll hear from her a bit later on in the hour. We're asking you at 204-780-6868 about last-second shopping nightmares or last-second shopping successes. One of the offshoots of the conversation was shopping for mom and how tough it can be, at least for some. And Donna says, if the mom is the hardest gift person to buy for, then my suggestion is either give her a coupon that you're going to take her out for a meal, so it's a personal gift of time. Donna says, I love that. Or I've been putting together gift packs of some fun different foods or condiments and snacks that they could be trying, and they might learn they like something new, but it's something personal that way because they have they already have everything else. But uh, I've done that, the whole coupon, like here's a coupon to take you out to dinner when you want to go for dinner. Last night I made chili with one of my boys. He says, oh, dad, uh, we're doing uh, like a potluck at school tomorrow. I want to make chili. Oh, thanks for that at eight o'clock. Um, so we go, we get the ingredients and we put it all together and we made it. We followed a recipe and you know what? It was a great experience. And so I'm reading Donna's text. So maybe a pledge to come to mom, mom's and, Bring all the ingredients and cook with her. Yeah. Cook with mom. Cook with dad. Cook with them both. Make them a meal. Yeah, like my mom had lots of stuff, and you could, depending on how you view it, you could see it as clutter. But part of the reason she did is is I certainly contributed to that over the years. I'd buy her ornaments galore. She went through, I mean, she always liked angels, so for many years I'd buy her uh, angel-related plates or angel little statues, and then I'd start buying her even more Christmas decorations. I remember I bought her, and it, to be fair, there was I found this beautiful Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer ornament, not for the tree, just to, to, to put out. But she had all this stuff, and I just kept piling on more stuff. And eventually I started to do that. I'd take her out for dinner. Uh, I took her to Cirque du Soleil. Oh, nice. One year, and she really liked that. But yeah, the, 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 the gift of time, the gift of the personal experience, I don't think you can... Go wrong. Like, how many people have uh, go do the spa as a gift? Uh, I think it's a great way to go. Yeah. I yeah. T- took my dad to see Star Wars The Force Awakens one year. And uh, I think I was more, ended up being more excited about that than my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Although I bet you if you ask him, he cherished every minute of that experience. I hope so. But, Greg, our winner today is Tara. There was a last-minute advertisement for a board game at a certain store. There were only 10 available, and I had to work. So I asked my parents if they could go and see if they could get one of the board games the following morning. My dad said, sure, no problem. He went to the store first thing in the morning before it was actually open, waited when the door opened. It was a mad rush to get into the store to get that game. He casually walked over, looked around, and saw that there was one left on the top shelf, right at the back. He reached up over everyone's heads, grabbed the game, 
walked over to pay. I love playing the game, and I thank him and his height and his long reach <laughs> very much for being able to get that game. By the way, the game was the trivia, uh, Trivial Pursuits 90s edition. Oh, even better. I love all things 90s, Tara. So congratulations. You're going to AEW All Elite Wrestling. We do have one more pair of tickets to give away tomorrow on The Start. Royal Winnipeg Ballet. They present one ballet every Christmas season at the Centennial Concert Hall, and it truly is a Christmas tradition. This wonderful presentation begins tonight, and we are honored, as always, to welcome WSO Associate Conductor, Music Director, and Principal Conductor with our cherished RWB, Julian Pelicano, to the studio. Julian, Merry Christmas to you. Good morning, and happy opening night. Merry Christmas to you guys, too. Thanks for having me, and thank you for that. Yeah, opening night is always very special, and uh, we're very excited to bring uh, Nutcracker uh, back to Winnipeg here this year. Is this something that gets, you know, to be old hat because it is this annual tradition, or is it like opening day in baseball? Like, it, it's a new season, and, uh, we, we, you know, everybody's zero and zero. Everybody's got a chance for the World Series. Is there that sense of renewed vigor when this comes around? Well, I think uh, there's probably a variety of uh, feelings, you know, as it, there's a, it, we're, we're dealing with over 100 artists on stage. So there's probably a spectrum of how people, and in the pit as well with the orchestra and the choir. Uh, and so there's probably a spectrum of how people feel about it. But I, I am the kind of person where it's just like it dawns on me like a new day every year because I just love it so much. The music is so incredible. On stage, you know, the cast changes every year. There's some there's a mix of dancers who have danced uh, the Nutcracker with the RWB for years, and there are some that are doing it sort of in these print, more principal roles or uh, sort of more advanced roles for the first time. And then in the orchestra, too, we have some musicians that have playing, been playing the Nutcracker with the RWB since the 1970s. Uh, so we have three musicians in the orchestra celebrating 50 years with the WSO this year. That means they've been playing the Nutcracker uh, at Centennial Concert Hall since 1974. And then we have a few musicians who have never played it before. So we have a really wonderful mix of uh, of of experiences, uh, and it just that keeps it fresh. You know, it really does. And everybody looks and sounds amazing. So our question of the day at cjob.com is from Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. RWB's Nutcracker is a Winnipeg holiday tradition. Have you ever been? Yes, no, one day. And for those who haven't been and maybe are actually not familiar, because I'd like to think it's fairly safe to assume that most of us have heard of Nutcracker, but maybe you've never been and you're like, what's it about? Well, if you've never been, and even if you don't, if you don't know what it is, you've definitely heard the music, because uh, the music for the Nutcracker has been uh, used in media, movies, TV shows, commercials uh, around this time of year to sell it. It's synonymous with Christmas. It's synonymous with the holidays around this time of year. So even if you don't know what it is, you've definitely heard the music and. The music is by uh, Tchaikovsky, one of the greatest composers of all time. Uh, it was written at his uh, in his, at the height of his powers in the 1892. It's right before he died. It's one of the last things he composed, and uh, I, I personally think it's his uh, most magnificent score. It's uh, probably, um, in some ways, his most uh, 
challenging score in in um, in what he brought to the table. He was trying a lot of new things in this score, and uh, and that's why the music stands the test of time because it was written by a master. Um, but what is it about? It's a story that takes place uh, on Christmas. And every ballet company has their own unique take on it. The RWBs, it's a it's a Christmas party, takes place at a home, uh, and uh, and and our our version takes place here in Winnipeg. So it's at a it's at a home there on uh, Wellington Crescent. It's just after World War One, just around the tur- well, it's just around the turn of the twentieth uh, century there, and um, and it's about a young girl, Clara, who receives a nutcracker as a gift from her uncle. And this nutcracker has magical powers and it has the powers to make her dreams come true. And so she uh, has dreams of being a dancer and she has dreams of, you know, of meeting a prince. Uh, and uh, the, the nutcracker eventually turns into a prince and they're transported into this really magical world of sweets. And uh, I mean, it's a delightful story. People have been telling this story for over a hundred years, and uh, and it endures because it's just such a wonderful piece of theater and a wonderful piece of music. So the way Winnipeg tells it, I think I heard you correctly, might be a little bit different than the way it's told in in Germany or elsewhere. The the, the that these companies, dance companies, tend to put their own spin on it a little bit. That you know that is part of the culture of the ballet world, and it's one of the reasons I love that world so much. It's. It's all about uh, making the theater unique. It's about making the theater uh, specific sometimes to a location. Uh, the Royal Winnipeg Ballet's Nutcracker is going to be different than every other Nutcracker in the world. If you were to go to Paris or New York or San Francisco or Toronto, you will not be able to see this production. And everyone has their own version of it, and that's what makes this world so interesting. Is it, is it claustrophobic when you're down in the pit? Well, I have the best seat in the house, so no, but <laughs> it might it might be for somebody, uh, you know. But I, I don't think so. We're so used to it. I love it down there. I love uh, I love being sort of under the stage. The sound is really wonderful in the pit acoustically, um, and uh, the orchestra sounds great down there. And um, and uh, it's it's kind of a cool place, you know. Whenever I have guests who come backstage, I, I often I'll take them down to the pit because it's a it's a place that most people. Don't get to see. Only a very short, small number of people in Winnipeg have ever been down there. Now, John Williams, of course, recognized as probably the greatest composer as it pertains to to, to movie and film. Are those orchestras, are they watching the film as they record the soundtrack? Obviously, they have the music, but are there nuances based on the action on the screen? I ask you this for... Two two reasons. One, because I'm interested, but to tie it into something else that you do. Okay, okay. So, sorry, we're coming from ballet to movies now. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I, you know, in the rec- now we're talking about in the recording studio. So, in the recording studio, I don't I don't believe that the musicians are watching the movie while they record it, but the conductor who is who is uh, conducting in the recording studio is watching the movie. And John Williams... Okay, so the, the conductor is. The conductor yeah. is. And John Williams, uh, specifically, when he uh, recorded his great scores for you know Star Wars and E.T. and all the films that he did, he recorded them visually. So he would watch the screen and he knew where it's supposed to line up. And that's how he did it. In, instead of having what's called a click track, which is a lot of more modern movie scores, they'll use a click track where everyone just hears the beat in their ear and they play along with it. But John Williams didn't do that. And so, uh, and when I, I do conduct those live films and I, I tend to 
uh, use John Williams' system, lining them up visually. So you're essentially, in my mind, doing that every single night with the ballet. Uh, are, are you are you watching for changes of pace? Because I know the the dancers are incredible performers, but are there some nights where maybe they might be a split second off here, a split second off there? Are you making sure that the music, a beat or a crescendo matches up perfectly with what we're seeing on stage? Okay, I'm really glad you brought this up because, uh, yes, I love doing the live films, but uh, and and for for anyone who's never seen this, this is when an orchestra and a conductor will synchronize the soundtrack to a film while it's playing in the theater. So you're watching the movie, but the soundtrack is being performed by a live orchestra in the same room where you're at. Uh, and I love doing those. But at the end of the day, the film is a robot; it never changes. And ballet is really like my a serious passion for me now and over the past several years working with the RWB because what it has there, it has the theater, it has the story, but it also has that human element. The dancers will not be the same every night. And in fact, we have th- uh, three different casts. They all dance slightly differently. Their body types are differently. They spin at different rates. They jump at different heights. And so as a ballet conductor, you need to be attuned to that. You need to study the choreography very, very carefully. And I, I'll tell you that when I conduct the Nutcracker, especially because I know it so well, I'm looking at the stage 90% of the time. And I'm just watching the dancers either because it's just so enjoyable or I get inspired by them, by what they're doing on stage. And I try to transmit that to the orchestra who can't see the stage or I actually, from a technical point of view, need to watch them in order to line up the music because it could be different from night to night. These are human beings. They're artists. You know, They get inspired in the moment, and they do uh, what they're going to do with the choreography. They have license to do that. That sounds like a lot to, <laughs> to be on to be watching out for. And that sort of, you talk about movies, uh, as of yesterday on Netflix, the new Bradley Cooper and Carey Mulligan film, Maestro made its debut, and it's getting all kinds of awards nominations, including the Golden Globes. And Cooper was on with Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show this week, and he said, like, being a conductor is impossible. Like, I I did it for a movie, but I don't know how those guys do it. Uh, But you've seen the movie, yeah? I just saw it last week. And? I mean, I thought... All conductors, we we idolize Leonard Bernstein, especially conductors in North America. Uh, And... And we know a lot about his work. You can go online if you want to, and you can watch him talk about music endlessly. You can watch his concerts for young people. You can watch the lectures he gave at Harvard. Um, But, you know, this film was really the untold story of Bernstein's life. It had to do with the relationship to his wife, his sexuality, and and the relationship to his kids. And, you know, all the complications that that brought forward – Given that he was uh, working uh, in the nineteen, starting in the nineteen forties, so um, I thought it was a very interesting film because these are things that have not been written about. But it also explored his work as a composer and, of course, as a conductor, and and gives you a little bit of insight into that part of his um, that part of his career and his life. And uh, you know, Bradley Cooper was was taught by Yannick Nizé Sagan. Uh, Canadian conductor who at the moment is probably the world's busiest conductor. He's a music director at the Metropolitan Opera and the Philadelphia Orchestra and the Orchestra Metropolitan in Montreal. And so he was, he taught Bradley Cooper how to conduct for like, I don't know, two years or something. I forget exactly. And uh, Bradley Cooper, I think he did a pretty good job. You know, I think he did okay. He really looked like Bernstein up there. 
Um, but it's difficult. You know, I, can I say that if you threw him up in front of an orchestra tomorrow that he'd be a, an amazing conductor right away? I'm not sure about that. I think he'd have to pay his dues a little bit, but he could do it. Fascinating stuff. We're not supposed to have favorites in this business, but don't tell anybody you're one of our favorite guests. Uh, thank you guys <laughs> so much. This is my this is my favorite place to come and uh, and talk about everything. So I really appreciate you having me on. Our question of the day once again at cjob.com for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness 204-832-6243. RWB's Nutcracker is a Winnipeg holiday tradition. Have you ever been? It's opening night. If you want to go, rwb.org is the website. Julian Pelicano is the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra's associate conductor, music director, and principal conductor at RWB. Julian, always a treat. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you guys. Thanks for, for having me on.